Welcome to Credit Union Conversations Podcast with your host, Mark Ritter, a forward-thinking CEO who excels in helping credit unions, small businesses, and real estate investors succeed. Join Mark as he explores current trends, interviews industry experts, and get fresh insights on optimizing your operations and delivering the best possible services to credit union members. Hello, everyone. This is Mark Ritter, the CEO of MBFS and host of Credit Union Conversations. Uh, Thank you for joining us today. And please subscribe to Credit Union Conversations on your favorite podcast network, wherever you listen to your your shows. And and you can listen to us then in the car, in the gym, mowing grass, wherever you like, uh, or listen to us in the office. So joining me today is one of my favorite people in the credit union business and the smartest guy that I know when it comes to dealing with systems and technology and all the complexities of running all the things at our credit union. And that is the CEO of CU South, which is a QSO, Bob West. Thank you for joining me, Bob. Thanks, Mark, and thanks for those gracious words. Um, yes. Very, very kind of you. We go back a long time for listeners and for full disclosure, so this is going to be a pretty friendly conversation as uh, I've known Bob for over 20 years now, So, which makes me feel a little old and uh, maybe him as well. So, so Bob, g- tell us, uh, give me your origin story, your background. Well, my origin story, uh, my background has been technology most of my most of my adult life. Uh, private sector stuff originally uh, worked in uh, uh, manufacturing, worked in food manufacturing as well, and then moved into the financial services space working uh, as Oh, the, you can't uh, just say food t- manufacturing because it's one of my favorite <laughs> foods. You got, so you got to tell people what, you, what food it was. <laughs> I worked at, I uh, was the, uh, the the IT director at Martin's uh, famous pastry shop, the company that makes the great potato rolls. You can get them almost all through the nation now, and you can actually buy them in Europe. Kind of a little commercial for Martin's potato rolls. <laughs> Did that for about 10 years before I entered uh, the credit union space. And so, you know, it's been uh, kind of an interesting uh, ride. Uh, when you and I met, I was the VP of a credit union in Pennsylvania. Uh, ran all the IT department, left there to be the CIO and uh, uh, chief administrative officer at a uh, credit union in North Carolina. Did that for about six years, uh, six and a half years, and then left and went to Fiserv, where I was, ran all service management for the credit union division for all the uh, core accounting applications, about 2,000 accounts. Did that for about five years and was in over 150 different credit unions in the nation, which was really, really exciting and, and, and thoroughly enjoyed it. Came back, uh, worked at another really big uh, credit union in Pennsylvania, did that for a while and had an opportunity to come south and become the CEO of CU South and uh, been uh, thrilled to be part of a wholly credit union-owned CUSO, and uh, just like yours, and very, very, very thrilled what we do and uh, the business we're in. We are a reseller of CU Base, uh, a core product that's uh, still sold in the marketplace, and we also have our own surround services that we sell, uh, back office accounting, 
collections, uh, network services, and and stuff like that. So uh, pretty 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 exciting stuff. So much like myself, you you've worked in what I would call a, a vendor role. Uh, helping out financial institutions and credit unions, specifically at Fiserv, you worked at you're, you're at a credit union owned QSO now, and retail credit unions. So, what what's the nuances from your side for working at each of those? You know, the, you, you, we're in the same industry, but there's just different slants and viewpoints on it. Uh, what, what's your different take on those different areas? Well, when you sit in the, the, the credit union seat, you're, you're obviously dealing with a lot of vendors. And, you know, then when you sit in the vendor vendor side and you realize you're dealing with a lot of customers and uh, they all want a lot of things. And I think that was one of the big challenges at, at Fiserv is that we sold, you know, over 200 different products to credit unions. And a large credit union might have 10 or 12 of our products. Uh, and the challenge with that are managing the service and uh, relationship within those organizations and trying to get your issues resolved. I think now being in this role is kind of the best of both worlds. I'm somewhat a vendor, but I'm somewhat a, uh, a credit union because I'm really, really close to the, the credit union space. And I really feel it's the true credit union philosophy of, of people helping people and uh, it's it's just really fulfilling. Um, feel like we're making a difference. I love working at a credit union-owned QSO because because like you said, I, I I feel like I'm in the industry. I'm part of the credit union, but I kind of get to be like grandparents, where you can decide to kind of come in have your fun work with people and then get out <laughs> so i really right. that's why i really like the qso side no i, it, I it's agree the best with of you. everything and, you know, yeah we have we have credit unions in 18 states including uh three now in the virgin islands and uh you know it's been really fulfilling visiting some of these credit unions and, and some of these credit unions are really small you know five six seven employees but you know they really rely on us to uh, make make their lives easier, which makes their members' lives easier. And you're right, you know, when I'm we're done there, I come back here and, you know, do our thing and then maybe go visit another credit union. But it, it has been fulfilling. So, like we said, we, we go back 20 years. And when you look back into the IT and technology requirements 20 years ago, it feels like a lifetime ago. And when I look back 10 years ago to joining the QSO, I felt like my main focus was on the operations, business lending, uh, keeping up with the op, doing things accurately. Now, I feel like half my life revolves around technology and challenges and security and phishing emails. So to, give me your side about from from the credit unions today on keeping up with technology and the, the, the challenges of today and, and your side as far as what, what's the toughest part for credit unions today? Oh, I, th I think, you know, you, you're right. We both go way back and I can remember a time when, you know, you're, you're right. You were focusing on operations, uh, how to make how to make things better, how how to be more efficient, 
he didn't spend as much time, um, even though I was in technology, spending it on new technology, but the technology has advanced so fast, as well as the supporting infrastructure, uh, the, the amount of bandwidth. I mean, you, you, when you and I were first starting doing this, you know, we're using dial-up modems uh, for, for home internet. And, uh, you know, we were, we were talking about uh, ISDN lines to connect branches to, to credit union, which was super, super fast. That's nothing now when you're talking about fiber optics and et cetera. But uh, the, the challenges I think now are, and, and all credit unions face this challenge, having the, the resources and wherewithal to, to address the issues in this modern age of technology and the risk associated, therefore, uh, I'm, I feel so bad sometimes for the small credit union because of the regulatory environment that they have to live in, which, which governs some of the technology. They, they don't have the expertise, um, and it's very hard for them to keep up with that. And it's, it's difficult. Uh, the changes are even going to get more rapid, and plus we see the industry changing as well. Yeah, it, it, it feels like the pace in technology is getting so much more open and easier, but it also comes with so much more risk. And like you said, the, the access and keeping up with the people who can do this for you is incredible. Uh, you, you know what it's like if one of the you know fancy technology companies wants to hire your people and outbid you, they're going to do it. So there's not much you can do to to keep up with them. So just the the call, you know, talk to me a little bit about the technology, doing cost of maybe doing something yourself versus working with, you know, an outsourced company, a QSO and and building it uh, in conjunction with somebody. Well, you know, it, it, it kind of goes back to, you know, when we, we started, you know, you, I, I'll, I'll be a, uh, I'll admit it that I wanted all the technology myself uh, when I was in the credit. I wanted it to be in-house. If we needed to write something, I wanted us to write it. Um, I've since changed that uh, to, and even before I came here to, to see you south, you know, credit unions and banks are in the business to provide financial services to their members and customers. They're not software development companies. And I think a lot of them have done that. And it takes tremendous resources to do that and do it well. You know, they can't keep up with the, the fintechs. Even, even the big banks can't. I mean, even though they do it, they can't keep up with the technology and the latest advances uh, that are out there. I, I think the... Uh, the evolution of and the performance of the systems that we have has certainly helped us. Um, I'm just use an example, Mark. If I was going to, you know, you and I were going to start up a credit union right now, uh, I certainly, you know, we're going to bring in a, um, you know, we need a payroll system. You and I aren't going to hire a programmer and, and have them write a, uh, a payroll system. We're going to go out and buy the best payroll system out there that works within our environment. And I think banks and credit unions need to face that reality, too. They can't keep up with all this technology, nor should they try. There's vendors out there that do it well. And I think building a relationship with vendors that can help you make those decisions 
you know, whether it's online banking, uh, whether it's bill pay, whether it's a core system. Uh, and, you know, do you want it in-house? Do you want the responsibility of having all this hardware in a data center in your facility, which now you become responsible for and all the regulatory requirements go along with that? Or do you want to push that over into another company for them to take care of that for you? And, you know, all you do is make sure you have the required SLAs to keep the system up and running and that there, you know, somebody, a responsible entity to take care of those systems for you. What has amazed me as the CEO of Acuso, and, and when we look at buying something versus building something and getting a programmer to, to write up something with us and saying, oh, we can, you know, we'll, we'll do that ourselves. It's not the cost of doing it yourself. Because sometimes you could say, oh, you know, I'll, 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 get, I'll get a programmer myself or we'll, we'll, we'll contract with somebody to do it. And, and, and that way we have it. It's the cost of ongoing maintenance. Right. Anytime something changes, a request changes, tech systems change, Microsoft makes a change, anything that goes on. All your interconnected parts, somebody changes a database table. That's the piece that it has amazed me into keeping up no, with you're, you're, the You're technology. absolutely right. And I, and I think with what happened with COVID and pushing, I mean, we already had the remote workforce before that. But with COVID now, it, you know, the workforce that we're using, especially the technology professionals, they're used to working in a remote environment now. So you're competing for that that technology resource for companies all over the nation, all over the world, actually, uh, to do with the work you need done. And I think, you know, in reality, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a banker, I'm a credit union, I'm providing financial services. Let me get those from the company that has the resources to maintain it the way I want to, the way I'm not constantly feel like I'm behind the power curve. Because, you know, you, you know as well as I do, you always have competing demands on the resources you have within the organization, the development time. Okay, well, you know, lending needs this. Well, okay, well, yeah, but marketing needs this. Oh, okay, well, yeah, well, operations need this. And now you're now you're saying, well, okay, well, I can't do everything. I got to pick one. Well, but in the meantime, some of those systems you developed are falling behind, and you know, you can't be competitive. And we'll, and if we, as long as we try to compete with. Uh, you know, the other companies out there. I mean, I, I talk about the Amazon syndrome. Our, our members and customers want everything to work like Amazon. If you ever went to Amazon and Amazon be down, they're, they're never down. <laughs> they, they, want, they want it when they want it. And, uh, you, you know, Google's never down. You know, your internet may be down, but Google's not down. And they spend a lot of money to, to get it that way. Nor we shouldn't compete. But there are companies out there that can help us compete in that arena. And I think there's some financial institutions out there that do it really, really well. So you have probably been involved in more regulatory exams than you care to count and could probably tell stories for my next 20 podcasts about examinations on technology and IT and security. But what, what's your perspective on the regulatory landscape today for, with regards to technology? Because it seems like it's kind of taken, and I'm going to profess ignorance, I'm a lender by trade. 
it's kind of gone even outside of the NCUA's purview and all of the other states and regions and other regulatory agencies who are starting to get involved in technology. And where do you think the regulatory environment for what people have to do is heading? Well, I, th- I think, you know, the pendulum has certainly swung further than what anyone would like. As you mentioned, um, you know, it, it isn't just NCOA any longer. Uh, you have other regulators that, that, are, that are getting involved, other agencies that are, that are getting involved. And, and I think it has to come back somewhat the other way because, you know, as we were talking about the small institutions, they can't afford the ability um, to keep to, to, to adhere to all those regulatory changes. So, you know, they have to rely on outside firms to do that, and they may not be doing it very, very well. So I think it has to come back. Uh, you know, some of these things that, you know, they're doing aren't, aren't necessarily... I think a make or break for certain institutions. They are for others, but but it it is a full time, more than a full time job for for those security technology professionals that are doing this for a living. And you know, we're looking at you know what kind of services can we provide the, the smaller institutions? Can we f- provide fractional uh, security officers for those institutions so now they don't have the, to bear the full cost? Of having a, you know, a, a seasoned professional in-house that that might have to make more money than the CEO of some of these small organizations, we're looking at those kind of activities and operations and services that we can provide to our, our credit unions, and not necessarily in our uh, our space. We're willing to do that. Uh, be core agnostic. Uh, we could go anywhere with some of these services. So. Let's shift gears to and talk core systems, because uh, there's no other exciting topic than core systems. So, <laughs> I got to tell you, when when I think about core systems, it just seems like there are tremendous opportunities in the marketplace, because some of these systems are are just absolutely archaic. But I, as you know, there is nothing anybody wants to do less then put in a new core. So what, 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 being that you've gone through this process a few times and gone through many new systems implemented, what, what's the triggers for you when you say, do you know what, it's time, to, even though we know it, it's been around here for years, but it's time to pack this up and start shopping for a new core. You know, what, what are those triggers for you or what you tell people it's time to, to think about something new? I, I think there's, there's many of them, but I, I, I can give you a real-life example. I've, just as you mentioned, I've done four core conversions myself at uh, various institutions and been involved in numerous others uh, as, a, as a vendor. And you're right, it's like a root canal. Would you rather have a root canal <laughs> Or do a core conversion. I think I'd rather have a root canal. But the you know the the first one I ever did was uh, you know the vendor, uh, unbeknownst to them, Hewlett Packard uh, end of life the hardware platform and their core system only ran on that hardware platform. That forced us into a search uh, for for a new core system. 
which we ended up with, you know, and you know, it was an 18-month process. It, you know, you, you take a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of time out of people's day to, to accomplish those. I think you start looking at, you know, or is your, uh, I, I wrote an article for uh, Callahan, uh, their magazine, Court uh, Technology, I think what the name of the magazine actually is, but the article, four things you need to, to look for, you know, or ask yourself when you're, when you're going into this search, you know, are you, are you happy with the service of your current provider? Or are you constantly fighting them you know, to try to resolve problems. Um, you know, I, I use Starbucks as a great example. You and I go to, into Starbucks. We may not remember what we ordered there yesterday, but we'll remember how, they, how the service was. It's usually always terrific. And I, and I think that's what people want in a core provider as well. They want to be able to, uh, you know, that whenever they do have a problem, they have a, a, a solution uh, to manage the service issues, support issues that they have, and and have a true relationship with that that vendor um, as, as a true partner, I think that's one. And then, you know, are they have you competitively bid on your system? I, and I think it's always good because we're so conscious of cost in our organizations. You know, what are we spending, and you know, are we are we making money? Are we covering covering our expenses? Uh, when was the last time you bid your your core system? It doesn't necessarily mean you have to change it, but sometimes just by going to competitively bid and look at what's out there, it's it's an effort to maybe reduce your cost and maybe look at some other options that you didn't know were in existence. And I think or your, your is your vendor continually delivering enhancements to your system, or are you just you know. Oh, okay, this year we just got tax updates. We didn't get any other enhancements that came down the pike. If that's happening, you should be asking some other questions, you know, or is that product still being sold? Because some of these products that are in the industry, as you mentioned, they're, they're archaic. They've been out here for a really long time, but they're not being sold. Uh, one, of the, 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 one of the big tech companies has 13... Um, 13 core platforms for credit unions. They have two of those that you can actually buy. Everything else that people are running and they're just getting tax updates every year, bare minimum updates. That should tell you something about what the company thinks about that piece of technology that you're using and have a tremendous investment in. And I think not to mention the fact that uh, there's about 60 companies out there, according to the, the Callahan research, uh, that are selling some type of core product. And some of those are selling the same product or variation thereof, but they're all competing for that same business of which is there's 4,800 credit unions left uh, in, the, in the nation, give or take. And that number is gonna be reducing. So of that 4,800, how many are actually have or even up for renewal. So you're probably down to about 20% of those now. So you have 60 companies competing for 20% of 4,800. It's, it's a really, really tough business. So I think, you know, companies do need to look, doesn't necessarily need to change, but they should ask them those questions. So one of the banes of my existence since I've gotten into the QSO space is vendor due diligence. 
And as much as I don't want it to happen, I am pretty sure at one point people like myself and particularly you as a core system are going to be regulated and, and examined by the NCUA and all of the various state regulators. I just think it's it's going to happen at some point. The NCUA it certainly is. is. It certainly is. It, they're beating the drum too much. But yep. you know when I when I get these requests for uh, vendor due diligence and I'm uh, I just say oh it's that time of the year. From <laughs> being that you actually understand the technology and systems and the SOC reports, uh, you know I, I I get reports and and I just say I'm going to read this, but I but I re- I'm not an expert at it. What do you think a credit union should really be focusing on? when it comes to the security of their vendors because we we all issue you know a couple hundred page sock reports right. but very few of us what is actually important from your perspective well i think you, you you certainly want to look at the sock report if they have it i mean one time all we ever looked at was a sas 70 you know hey give me your sas 70 and and that was enough uh, one you want, hey, I think you've got to be very candid too. Hey, have you ever had a breach? Have you ever had a, uh, a data compromise? And and I think those are in this this day and age, they're not questions that you should be afraid to ask. Uh, and and you know we've we've talked about this uh, before. You know every every company out there should not be saying, hey, we're never going to 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 have a breach. You know, it's just a matter of if. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. It'll happen sometime, uh, but I think you've got to be able to do your due diligence, make sure that the company you're signing up with has done that due diligence and they have the protocols and the technology and resources in place to ensure that, you know, if you're, you're, if you're using bank, banking data, credit card data, what have you, that they're able to protect that. And check references. I can't tell you how many credit unions don't check references. I was talking to a credit union three weeks ago, and um, I, you know, we, we we actually lost a deal to to this uh, to another company, which was well, not a big deal. It happens in the industry all the time. But I said, "Did you check references?" No, no, I didn't. I didn't. I just went up to their data center, and they showed. I said, "Well, you took the company data center tour." And they showed you what they wanted to show you. I said, you need to talk to people that are using the system. Ask about the reliability, the stability of the system. What's the, you know, what's the uptime? Do you have realistic SLAs? You know, are they able to service your system? And if it's down, what is, what is their responsibility for getting it back up? Look at the disaster recovery. Uh, you know, I've moved to Alabama, so I'm living in a hurricane area. Uh, and, you know, one of the things I looked at when I bought my house is I have a hurricane, you know, resistant roof, I have a generator, uh, hurricane shutters, all that kind of stuff. It's the same thing you do with uh, your technology for the, you know, if we have a true disaster, how do I respond? And a lot of the bigger companies don't have a really good disaster plan. They're relying on the, the individual institution to put their disaster program together themselves. So I think those are the, a lot of the things you should look at. Uh, you know, the, the regulatory environment is, it's, it's going to, you know, we, we can't keep up with it. We're going to keep up with it as best we can, just like you do and institutions do. And I think that pendulum will swing back and maybe uh, soften up a little bit. 
Uh, but I think the technology advancement in this space is going to continue to grow when we're moving to the cloud. Uh, everybody wants to move to the cloud. Technically, we've been in the cloud for 30 years. It's just a different version of it now. It's much more secure. It's much more prevalent. And quite certainly, uh, is, is somewhere I think most folks should consider because now it really does not matter. You don't need to worry about having a hardened data center in, you know, Iowa or, you know, Kansas City or where wherever because now you're worried it's in the cloud and it's replicated in, in hardened data centers that someone else is responsible for. So, so let's shift gears uh, when, as we wrap up here. So we, MBFS exists because we people outsource their business lending needs to us because sometimes it's cheaper, sometimes it's more efficient, sometimes they just don't have the capacity for or people internally. But you, you CU South also outsources a whole bunch of different back office operations that maybe people didn't talk, didn't think about, never asked about. Uh, tell me a little bit about some of the, the, the pieces that you outsource for people that maybe they didn't think of and, and, and why they do that as opposed to just kind of doing it themselves internally, maybe like they always have. Yeah, I think I'll go back to even myself. I mentioned earlier in our conversation, you know, one time I wanted to have everything in my data center because I wanted to control it. I don't feel that way now. Uh, because I, that, that's 100% of that responsibility is mine in my data, data center. I still have responsibility for it, but now I'm relying on a vendor to put it somewhere. Uh, the technology, the, the bandwidth of communications has changed incredibly. I mean, I can have uh, my, my credit union system sitting in you know, Burbank, California, and I can have the same speed is what it is if it's sitting right next door here to me with the technology that's there now. So I think that that's one thing I would look at. Do you really want to have the responsibility of having a data center? Can you can you put that in a outsource location with the company that you know you've signed up with for your core? Then I would look at the the other solution. I know the solutions that we use, some of the things that you know they're not they're not maybe sexy uh, things within within the financial systems that we deal with, but who, you know, collections. Everyone has to do collections. Not everybody pays their bills on time. And, you know, collectors, uh, the, the good collectors do this really, really well. And we package that service uh, to our credit union and say, hey, look, let us do the collections for you. We have access to your system. You give us access to your system. And, you know, we build the parameters around that. So we call your members and, you know, to, to manage, try to collecting those uh, unpaid loans, et, et cetera. That's one of them we do. Back office accounting. Who wants to do their 5,300 call report? We do that for uh, pretty much almost all of our credit unions that are signed up with us, and we do it for some others. Um, just doing the, the, the monthly uh, accounting, balancing the books. We do that for some of these small credit. And some of the reasons that, that they find it very beneficial is some of the small credit unions don't have a CFO. They have a CEO who acts as the CFO. Um, they might not even have a COO. And even if they do, 
is it the best use of their time to do some of these things? And we found that it's very beneficial for them for us to manage that for them. Uh, these are very transparent uh, solutions. You know, they, they don't know. No one knows. Uh, hey, who's who's doing that for you? Well, we are. Uh, manage network services. You know, do you want to have the the network guy in your your building and have the cost of that, the training, you know, the PTL, everything else that goes along with that? You can't just have one. You need to have two because they have to take vacation. Uh, we provide those services as well. Looking at fractional uh, chief financial officer, John, not all these, as I mentioned, not all these credit unions have uh, a chief financial officer, chief marketing officer, fractional chief marketing officer. All these are opportunities for the smaller institutions to, to leverage the talent that's done this before, but scaled across multiple institutions. I was the same way when I first got into the credit union business where I wanted to do everything myself and hire people. Uh, and I've really kind of shifted to, I want to be successful and do things as cheap as possible. And also hiring people and keeping up with people is much easier when somebody else has to do it and those resources are shared. So oh, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, just the size of our companies, and I think your company, my company, we're you know, similar size number of employees. You know, do you, do, you, do you want to hire the number, let's just use marketing, for example. Do you want to hire the number of marketing people that you really need to have an effective marketing program, or do you want to hire an agency that has all those people on staff to do that for you? And I think that's just a great example of, of other services that, that could, be, could be offered as well. So thank you for joining me today. Tell people, uh, as we wrap up here, uh, where they can connect with CU South if they're interested in learning more. And uh, go ahead. I know you have a conference coming up. Go ahead and mention that, too. Right. Yeah, we, uh, you can go to cusouth.com. Uh, that's our website, and you will find a link there for our conference uh, coming up. Uh, it's called Visionary. Uh, we Our keynote speaker is Dennis Dollar, former NCOA chair, uh, Alabama native, uh, super, super guy. We have some sessions uh, on uh, mergers, which I think are pretty important in this day and age, and uh, we certainly still have room for more folks who would be interested in coming out, spending a nice time in uh, the Sandestin Resort, a beautiful, beautiful venue, and uh, two days of uh, activities and education lined up for anybody that wants to participate. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. It's been great catching up with you. I know I'll see you out on the conference circuit. And uh, yeah, this was Bob West, the CEO of CU South, joining me today. And thank you for listening, uh, and thank you for supporting the show as we enter our second year. And have a great day, and remember to subscribe and listen to the episode every two weeks. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Credit Union Conversations podcast. Have a question? Visit markwitter.com for more information.